Welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, I am joined by Wesley, who goes by Wes, and we are going to find out a little bit about who he is, and I'm really excited to know more. I met him at a poetry open mic, which was super fun, and we have other things in common, too, which I'm going to learn more about in the next hour. So my first question for you, Wes, is who are you? Well, you know, when it Chris briefed me on this with this question, um, and luckily I, Chris, being your um, your significant other, I guess I'll say. Um, but so I, I don't know if you've ever. Um, so okay, let me start like this. I am a consciousness in a body. When it really comes down to it, you know, I am the sum total of chemical reactions and experiences that is inside of a brain, that it resides inside of a skull, that resides on top of a body, that resides on the planet Earth, which is a ball of molten rock on the inside floating around space. <laughs> um, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, 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 there's a book, which, was, uh, which is what I was going to go into, that's called um, The Untethered Soul. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or read it or anything. It is absolutely amazing. And it talks about something um, with that question about how people, you ask them who they are and they talk about, well, you know, my name's Wesley. And it's like, no, I didn't ask what your name is. I asked who you are. Well, you know, oh, I go to LCCC where I'm currently. No, not, not where are you located or what do you do? Like, who are you? You know, um, when it really comes down to it for me, outside of the whole spill of being a, you know, a, um, a consciousness, you know, like I believe in the spirit. Um, so, you know, I am a spirit that was put in this beautiful shell that is Wesley Benson. Um, so, yeah. Um, can I ask, where do you feel like your spirit comes from? You know, my spirit comes from my higher power. Um, I, in, the terms of normal worldly culture, you would call me religious. Um, in the terms of the way that I experience my higher power, it would be more of a personal relationship. Um, okay. So I believe that my spirit comes from that. But at the same time, I am, I would say almost a little too educated because sometimes my smarts get in the way. You know, so, you know, we have so much of the human genome mapped, but we have some of it that we can't map, you know, and is, is that the spirit? Is that consciousness, you know? So it could literally just be the sum total of all those chemical reactions that makes a unique structure that is a soul. Um, so to answer the question, yes, I believe it comes from my higher power, um, but I can neither confirm nor deny, you know, the existence of said higher power. Nobody can. You know, I I really love, I love that you believe in your higher power and can also neither confirm nor deny its existence. Yeah, I I think that is a very beautiful, um, how to put it, like something to admit because I feel like there's a lot of people who are very certain that mm -hmm. they are right about whatever their belief is. But yeah. I really think that there is a lot of beauty in that, like, this is what I believe. And I 
I could be wrong or I like I could have no idea like and mm. I and I think that's one of the brilliant things about humanity I think one of my favorite things about humanity is how imperfect and how flawed we are yeah and I like yeah anyway I could tangent onto that forever yeah no I feel you <laughs> so um as this consciousness in your meat suit what do you what do you like to do with your time your how do you experience your life on this floating rock uh so you know that's um <clears throat> currently in this sack of meat on this floating rock um my experience is so i'm a i'm a recovering addict i'm a recovering addict that's on probation um so being a recovering addict on probation where the thing that i truly enjoy doing but my soul yearns for which is drugs which i'm not promoting drugs at all but that's you know that's just the honest fact of addiction um my experience is very much of a constant and conscious stay away from that mm-hmm. but it's not like a like a daily task you know it's how do i elevate my mind past the old ways how do i elevate my soul past the old ways um so what i'd like to do um is like i said i'm a very spiritual person um and by that i mean um do i meditate daily no but um i hear the best way that i heard meditation put is it's just a deeper form of thinking Um, for this, you know, that's like the, that's like the how-to for dummies version, you know? And so I spend a lot of time in that deeper form of thinking, um, because I have a thinking disease. Um, so, um, I just got a camera for Christmas. Um, it's a, it's a Canon, you know, it's like a professional camera. Um, so, you know, I spend some time taking pictures of things. I love to write. Um, we met at the poetry thing. I've seen you at the gym before, but we've never, ever talked, um, and so um, I do love to write. Poetry is relatively new for me. I write novels. Um, I love um, I love media. Um, so I love the art of turning, since I'm a writer, I love the art of turning writing into a movie, into a show. So that's my really fancy way of saying I'm lazy and I like to watch TV. um I do competitive bodybuilding um I haven't done a show since I think 2019 which is a while ago now I guess but addiction um so I live in the gym you know it's it's my thing um currently the most in the the most um I spend a lot of time with God too I should have said that first honestly because that's like the most important things in my life if not the most important um but um, I'm just working on a future right now. I mean, I've spent, I spent 10 years standing still behind a pipe, you know? So, um, I finally got to the point of, um, I want more, so I have to do different, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's my current experience is doing different. That includes school that includes not doing drugs, (laughs) (laughs) um includes not going to the bar when I don't think there's anything else to do stuff like that okay 
I'm gonna have to try to keep my train of thought on track because I have so many questions for you right now. Mm -hmm. um, let's go light, a little lighter. What's your favorite thing to take pictures of? Man, so that's another part why I was talking about I'm in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and you know, on probation and stuff like that. I love um wildlife and um nature photography. Um, wildlife, I don't necessarily have the tools right now for that. Um, you need one hell of a zoom because you're, you know, you don't want to get close to some things. Some things won't let you get close to them. Um I am in love with mountains. I cannot express how much I am in love with mountains. I genuinely feel when I am next to a large pile of rocks, <laughs> I genuinely feel like somehow I am connected to them. And I mean, depending on how scientific you want to go, we all came from those things. You know, we all came from minerals and the ocean, which all of this used to be underwater, you know, so, um, yeah, I love um, mountains, and primarily, I would say streams, lakes, puddles. <laughs> I love that you added puddles, because yeah. I don't do, like, photography as a thing, but, like, I have a camera, and I used mm -hmm. to take more pictures, and my favorite thing was always, like, taking pictures of what I felt like was like the unseen things yeah because there's a lot of people who take pictures of mountains and mm -hmm. streams and mm -hmm. lakes but there's less people who take pictures of puddles right um, my favorite was always alleys and alleys before they were decorated with beautiful street art right. like just like right. fucking dumpster bins in alleys mm. and I love like fire escapes mm. um because i think there's a lot of i think there's a lot of beauty in the things that have gone yeah overlooked yeah so i really like that you added puddles because i think that they matter just as much as the lakes that you know tourists visit on a regular basis right some of the most powerful pictures for me I was going to say that you could see, but that generalizes everybody. One of the one of the most powerful genres of pictures is urban photography, alleys, you know, and stuff like that. Um, especially when you put it in black and white, for some reason it catches my eye. But people expect photography to be beautiful. When you take a photograph of someone that's in pain, you know, um, you see those... Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. You, you'll see commercials where they have um, people crying and they're in famine and stuff like that in other mm. countries and it moves you, you know? I can, I can Google mountains and just like you said, get a whole bunch of stuff, you know? But who's taking pictures of like what's really real? Um, the things about like, like the puddles and little stuff like that. Oh, oh, the, another thing with the alleys. It's crazy. I'm gonna have to show it to you um, the next time I see you. I took a picture of a trash bin in front of a school and just the way that it's like faded and you know kids are like hitting their hands on it it looks like a pastel painting it's I I think it's amazing like I don't know why I keep showing it to people and I'm like this touches me and the yeah. heart and I don't know why but the thing I like about photography and taking pictures of like puddles and small things like that is because in my mind this may not be accurate 
but I drop a rock in that puddle and watch that stuff go, watch the waves go out and take a picture of it, that's never going to look like that again, ever, ever. So whether it looks like a masterful art piece, I captured something that nobody's ever going to see again, except for on my camera. Yep. Um, and that's the beauty of photography. Um, and that's like, um, I would I would like to go somewhere and um, it sounds kind of dark, but take pictures of a natural disaster or something before, you know, because that's a profound moment that shaped history, shaped geography, you know, a volcano or something like that. So, yeah. I can see that. I love that concept of capturing a moment in time. And I think to go back to, like you said, you like media, like you like TV and storytelling and things like that. That is one aspect where like as humans, we take what we've seen and then we create something like something between the realm of reality and fiction mm -hmm. to be consumed. And then the other side of art is that that capturing that moment in time. And it's, I, I mean, the word you used was profound. And I fully agree with that because though both of those things are beautiful in their own right, they can move you in incredibly different ways. Um, and then to your point on like, pain and capturing pain in art i think i think in whether it's in our society or humanity at large or whatever um i think we like to avoid pain as much as possible and so i think that there's a bravery in and the people who go out and try to capture people's pain on film, whether it's still or like documentaries and things like that, um, and then share it. And then I also think there's bravery in the people who consume that because there's definitely, and no shame to whatever people watch on TV, but like there's a, there's a big difference between people who mostly watch Futurama <laughs> and who mostly watch like documentaries about things that are happening for real in the world and what is happening to actual people. I watch both of those things. I enjoy both of both of those mm -hmm. things. Um, but it's definitely like it has a different impact on you as an individual and then also has a different impact on the world. But yeah, that was a tangent and then the thought fluttered off. So we'll leave it no. we'll leave it there for now. <laughs> no, it was a good tangent. You know, and and on the on the whole like on the pain thing, you know, I don't I don't know why. And I'm I'm a thinker. I like to theorize. I like to um not argue, but I like to debate and stuff like that. I unfortunately I am a man so I like to win um so sometimes debates just turn into a you know <laughs> a one-sided thing you know but hey I was I was born this way um but I don't know why pain became and pain mental health and I don't know why those things became taboo in America I used to think that it was a worldwide thing that pain, but it's not until I took a sociology class and I figured out that the major problems that we have in America 
are American problems. And we're the greatest country in the world, but we don't take care of our people, you know? And, and we create this image. And, and, and this is something that I'm very strong on, is that we create an image and we want the image. We want to consume the image, no matter. Now, so this is going to be on something that's just my opinion. People don't want to know that life is ugly. Right. They want to feel that life is is pretty, you know? We have that white picket fence thought and this American dream. What the hell is the American dream? Um, because I haven't reached it. I believe sometime I will, my own version of it, you know? But like, why can't people come out that they have problems and not have the same opportunity as people that don't show their problems? Right. You know, like it's ridiculous. Like for me being a recovering addict, I tell somebody that I'm an addict and that can either be a congratulations or you're not getting this job. We right. don't trust you, you know, which I wouldn't trust myself. I didn't trust myself and don't trust myself on drugs. I don't do drugs anymore, but another tangent. Yeah. So two, two tangents. Um, one that we'll get back to is that I, I enjoy that you refer to yourself as an addict and not a recovering addict. Um, because as someone who is, I, re I refer to myself as an addict and I, I don't know what substances you used, but I feel like our substances were probably different, um, because I've never really been a drug person. Um, but I've 100% like 100% addict. And I think that there is, so I don't believe that there's ever such thing as like being recovered. It's just like, I don't think that anybody is healed. I think we're in a perpetual state of healing and a perpetual state of recovering because there's always going to be a trigger. And every time that there's a trigger, every time something doesn't go not just the right way but every time life gets really hard there's always that like I can always fall back onto those old habits I can always fall back into the old way of doing things and we have to actively resist that and that's why I think that like for me it's I am an addict and not I was an addict or I'm a recovering addict. Like it's I am and that is a constant, not necessarily battle, but it is a constant thing that I have to be aware of because the way that you have to move through life as an addict will always be different from somebody who has never had that experience. Absolutely. And so for anybody that is listening to this podcast, which I, this is, this is good stuff here because so <clears throat> addiction and to the whole, nobody being healed part. True. So true. Um, and I'm glad that you are woke <laughs> in that, in that sense um, is so, you know, I was a person, matter of fact, my, one of my first semesters back to college in years past years years past um we had a uh, the question is a dis is addiction a disease or a choice 
and it was in the English class and we had to write a paper about it. And then we were gonna have a debate about it in class, you know, and the teacher was like, yeah, this is gonna be a sensitive topic, but let's just go through it. Of course, I want you guys to talk to each other. If it gets too heated, we'll just stop everything, you know? And um, I had I, my, my drug, so I'm, I am a drug addict, but I'm an addict addict. Uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, do it till you bleed. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, the only thing I haven't, I feel like I haven't been like addicted to in a very extreme sense, which I'll explain more in a second, is food. Um, that's probably the only thing, you know, electronics, cars, literally everything. Um, but so I, at that point in time, I was doing, I was probably 20 years old. Before that, I had been doing cocaine for about a solid year after I got out of um, out of high school. And then long story short, I stopped doing cocaine and I went to school. So is addiction and disease are a choice? Clearly it's a choice. I don't do cocaine anymore, was my thought back then. So I was talking about it and me and this girl ended up getting into a very big heated argument. She left crying because her dad died from alcoholism. And um, what I'm trying to get to right now, folks that are listening, um, that addiction, the disease of addiction is a disease. Now, I made a choice to start using drugs, but I didn't choose to fiend for drugs. I made a choice to make bad choices. I did not choose the hell that comes after it. I may choose to smoke cigarettes. I did not choose cancer. I did not choose chemotherapy. And even if I chose chemotherapy, I did not choose my hair falling out. I didn't choose the shakes. I didn't choose all those things. It is, 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 is a disease. Now, because I'm educated, um, the things that qualify something being a disease is it changes the normal structure and function of an organism, an organelle, or an or overall organ organism structure, whatever. So the second that somebody smokes a cigarette, drinks soda for the first time, your brain creates pathways that it never had before due to that substance. That changes structure and function. Now, do you have a disease every time you drink soda? Of course not. You have, of course not. Usually diseases are um, things that are um, negative, so on and so forth. I'm not gonna go into it too much. But anyways, um, the structures that I have made in my brain from almost a decade of doing drugs, they don't go away. Um, as the host has pointed out, there only takes one bad day, me not working a program for me to hop back on those pathways actively and walk on those pathways. And whether or not I'm using, I believe that I just returned to active addiction because I'm now walking back in the old thing. I have a thinking disease. And if I go back into that old thinking, I'm, it's only a matter of time before I go back into drugs. Um, the true recovery, the true healing is when I die clean. That is when it's done, is when I am in the ground and hopefully didn't die from drugs. That is the only time. Um, besides that, and like I said earlier, my ex not my existence because I, my life is not shaped around my addiction. That's just that'd be a that'd be a whole freaking life. But my day to day is figuring how I stay away from those pathways. 
it's so hilarious. Just last night, <laughs> I'm doing a test for chemistry. And um, I, I just like, I'm smart, but you have to do conversions in chemistry. The last class I took for math in college was in like 2013, you know, when I was like 19, dude, or 20 or something like that. I'm 30 years old. So they're all like math. I'm like, uh, but anyways, I'm taking this test and it's on conversions. And I'm thinking that it's going to be like a 10 problem test. It's a 29 problem test. And I, and I, in my mind, every single question is going to be on conversions. And I'm doing like two of them, get through first two with a breeze, do one, try really hard, fail it. The answer got it wrong. And then the next one, I'm trying really hard and it gets you, gives you three times. I get to the second time of not doing this question right. And my mind goes, screw this. I'm going to drop out of this class. I'm doing drugs just that quick. That's all it takes, you know, for normies. And I say that with quotations, people, if you aren't watching this for normies, the first thought is, okay, let's back out of this, take a break and see what I can do differently. For somebody that is, that has a disease of addiction, my pathway is self-destruction, bad choice. The same stuff that I did that brought me comfort before which is more times than not something that has wrecked my life, wrecked my family, wrecked all these things. For normies, I always tell people, I, I read it in a book, one of our um, literature for um, recovery, is that <clears throat> addicts find a way to cope with the pain of life. And coping is this pain hurts. How do I figure out how do I, this, the weight of this pain hurts. How do I figure out how to cope with being under this pain? Normies say the weight of this pain sucks. How do I get out from under it? You know, it's a difference of let me stay in it and medicate as opposed to let me get out of it and heal and grow. Um, so that's my skill. That's my skill. I think, I love that you brought up coping because one of the things I talk about with people a lot is that like coping can be beneficial, but, and something that was at one point beneficial can become maladaptive. Mm -hmm. So um, if, I can't think of an example right now. Let me see if my brain can work quickly. So I'll, I'll use my life because I can. If you're in an abusive situation and you learn that the less you say the safer you are mm. like if you don't make them angry you're not going to get hurt right so that becomes a coping mechanism but with that coping mechanism you also like it starts to bleed into the rest of your life it starts to bleed into like you won't speak up at work um to ask for a promotion or ask for a raise because your neural pathways are formed that says, if you use your voice, you are in danger. And so you have this maladaptive coping mechanism that yes, has probably kept you alive at some point, but the longer you go through that and the more you have in your life, it starts to be detrimental to your life because when someone's being 
Like if someone's being unfair, you won't say, hey, that's unfair. Someone who's not your abuser, someone who's not even trying to be mean, but like something as simple as like, I have a bunch of allergies. So at my old job, we would do like luncheons for people's birthdays and people would be like, oh, well, can I bring this and this and this? And so like everybody else got a luncheon for my birthday and I had to pack my own food because I couldn't say, can we bring things I can eat? Because like, it's supposed to be a celebration of me because it's my birthday celebration, right? But everybody thinks about themselves, which is human nature. We, that's how you survive as you think about yourself. But like, and that's just like a really simple example. There are Mm -hmm. way worse maladaptive coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's, it's always been about control and like literally all, I would say 90% of anything I would consider addictive in my life has been about control and whether it's how much food I do or do not consume, what food I do or do not consume, um, where I spend my time being a workaholic. And so like, if I control my schedule from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed, then I don't have time for anybody else to like interrupt those things. Right. Um, but they're maladaptive. Are they things that, I mean, there have been times in my life where being a workaholic have kept me out of a home life that was not good. (laughs) Um, so it was, it was serving a purpose, but now that I have like a blossoming home life, like I want to see my kids, I want to be social, I want to do those things. Now I'm working against myself trying to be like, no, I now work at a job where they're like, these are the amount of hours you're allowed to work. You're not allowed to work 80 hours a week because it's not even necessary and it's not good for you. And so I'm fighting myself saying, okay, I have to clock out when it's time for me to clock out because my brain is saying, well, we just have to get one more thing done. Completely forgetting that I'm no longer in a situation that I'm trying to avoid at home, if that makes sense. Um, But that's one of the things about coping that is, I don't know. I, it's one of those things that I try to hold back judgment from because coping serves a purpose but like you said the goal is to get out of coping the the goal is to not like we don't want to cope through our lives we want to be able to live our lives and experience our lives and not just survive it and i think that's where that difference is is when you're coping you're just trying to get through you're just surviving and when you get to the other side where you can get out from underneath whatever those things are, which I think is entirely possible. Um, because one of the beautiful things about the human brain is that we have neuroplasticity. Like it is always changing. It is always growing, but it's never like you don't, you don't get to erase what has already happened. You get to add to it. So you don't get to say, I'm never going to see this trigger and be affected by it again. 
it's that next time you see that trigger, you might have new knowledge. You might have a new experience that goes to like, maybe that the way I did it was not the only way. But in order to get to that point, you have to allow yourself to have to experience good things, which I think is really hard um, coming from trauma and addiction because you spend so much of your life in that survival that believing that there's something else, yeah, I think is one of the hardest hurdles to get over in my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Something much you said before you got into your awesome examples is um, like, yeah, no, coping, coping does, everything has its time and its place, literally. My drug addiction had its time and its place. Um, do I, I know the benefits that came from it? Um, and I know the distraction. Uh, um, with coping and, and finding those things, like even, um, you know, staying quiet in a relationship. It's like, what? When did, and this is a question towards you, this is rhetorical. It's like, when does what you ran to become what you're trapped in? Right. You know? And that's one of those biggest things is when I'll just I'll just say I I won't say we when I have an experience that creates trauma or is something that is is amazing and I try to build a wall around that experience whether it's to keep people out or keep that experience in the only thing I did was build a wall around myself which only will turn into a prison. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I'm trying to hold on to the relationship I had five years ago, it's gone. I'm not in that relationship anymore. And I'm holding on to it, holding on to it. And I'm trying to find a person that's exactly like that person. Not going to happen. All I did was create a wall that kept out other people. If I'm holding on to something that kept me safe, um, a, a thought pattern or something. So when I got out of jail, um, one of the last times I got out of jail, because there was several times, <laughs> um, you know, I got out of jail with, I think, nine felony convictions, um, and none of them were pretty at all, and so finding friends is immensely hard for me. Um, um, luckily, um, you know, it's, it's gotten better. I've, I've acquired tools, you know, and that's the thing, is acquiring tools. Um, but I was afraid of people because people were very mean to me. They would, I, random people would come to my job and tell me to kill myself, save the judicial system money, you know, random people, never seen people a day in my life and they would come. And so I was literally afraid to talk to people and me, I hate living in fear. Um, now I really hate it, but staying home was what I needed to do for a while because people were very nasty. But then I started missing people. And if I'm going to stay at home and be sad that I have no friends, when did what I ran to become what I was trapped in? My house was a safe place, now it's a prison. Um, and then it just, to, just to like hit on all the things you said because they were so good, um, one of the smallest things for me 
is um, I had absolutely no self-worth um, or self-acceptance after all of my um, convictions. And so um, the thing for me was if I make my outsides beautiful, people will love me again, you know? So I started going to the gym because it helped with drugs, but then it was, that was my self-worth. But then I tell people all the time, like, that's cool. And those people are like, oh, well, that's a healthy addiction. Yeah, until COVID shuts down the world again, then what am I stuck with? I'm stuck with an empty shell because I can't work out. You know, I'm not, I, you know, I've got some weights at my house, but now I'm back in a prison where there's nobody, you know? So everything has its time and its place, you know, but I have to every day, I can't stay clean, can't stay happy. I can't stay healthy. I can't stay in a weight loss, you know, deficit, whatever. I can't stay clean on yesterday's recovery. I have to recreate every day a new drive, a new toolbox, a new plan. Um, and I got to keep the fire alive for change. And that's, that's not just addiction. That's, that's, that's getting a new job. That's, that's moving to a new place. I mean, it's just, it's literally that desire fire. Yeah. Um, can I just say real quick, I, first of all, I loved that whole, everything you just said. Um, a personal I don't know if you saw me shaking my head, just like wanting to scream. <laughs> so especially as someone whose most of my addictions have um, some in some way circulated around my body image. Um, I fucking hate people who say it's a healthy addiction mm. because I don't think that there's any such thing. And the amount of people, so my, my addictions have been, um, essentially what has led to anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, um, an addiction to diet pills, which is not a chemical addiction. It is a, like, it is a mental addiction of like, I 100% know that they are doing nothing for my body. They are caffeine and diuretics. That is all they are. They don't mm -hmm. like anyway I know that and there were almost decades of my life where I could not go a day without taking them because I did not trust that I could continue to look like the person that people expected me to look like without doing that mm -hmm. the amount of times like the last time that I got complimented on a daily basis like people are like oh my god you look so great you're so healthy what are you doing and I'm like I haven't eaten in days like it was during COVID I had my worst like the worst relapse into anorexia of my life yeah. and I have been like I've been battling well I can't say battling I've been either accepting and like lovingly living in anorexia or battling like the idea that I need to fix that part of myself or develop a better relationship with food, as I would say now. Um, since I was 10, so 25 years, this is something I've been dealing with. And 26 years, because I just turned 36. I know how old I am. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
but it was, and it pisses me off so much, especially as someone who works in the fitness industry, that there are so many people who are like, oh my God, you look so great. I'm just like, it, it reiterates to people so much that their body is more important than their health. Their body is more important than who they are. And I've been in recovery from disordered eating for two years, going on two and a half-ish. And of the things I've learned, people's bodies don't matter. Like, what their body can do 100% matters. Like, can you get up and down off the ground into your 80s? Fantastic. Can you play with your grandkids or your kids or like if you feel the need to go for a hike in a beautiful mountain can you do it like those things 100% matter if you have fat on your body but you can do whatever you want to do in your life I don't think it matters and it's so hard because there's such this like there's I spend way too much. I mean, again, I work in the fitness industry, so I spend a lot of time around people who have the concept that it's that working out is a good addiction. It's not like you can work out too much. Been there, done that. It is detrimental to your mental health. It is detrimental to your physical health. Like everything, not just everything in moderation, but like you said, everything has a time and space and learning how to listen to your body and know, like know when your body needs rest. One of, okay. I'm just, there's going to be so many tangents right now. <laughs> I could rant on this. <laughs> um, things that bother me are people who are like, because I think there's a very fine line between um, like people who say, if you don't feel like doing it that day, like you still need to go to the gym and get something in. Like if you're not feeling top nuts, you should still get in and do something. And I used to be that person, but I also used to think that that is where my entire value lied. Right. Um, But what I've learned is that if you go into the gym and you don't have to feel a hundred percent every time you go into the gym, But if you go into the gym feeling like shit and you like, you don't have the energy, you didn't sleep well last night, you didn't eat enough food and you try to do whatever your program says to do at a hundred percent. Like if you try to work out at a hundred percent and you're only at 10%, like your chances of injury skyrocket and then it takes you out of the game. And if we, so like, I like things. Um, like there's more and more apps coming out and even programs that you can take that like make you do a check-in beforehand. Like, did you eat well? Did you sleep well? Like we're going to it because, and I think part of it is because as humans, we're not super great. And especially in our society, because we've been taught to ignore our body. Like I'm going to try not to tangent too much. Quick question. When you are hungry, what do you do? eat food eat food right like that is that's the answer that's what the answer is supposed to be 
but how many times have you heard someone say, if you're hungry, drink water? The uninitiated, they say stuff like that all the time. Right. Yeah. I, mind you, I drink plenty of water. Mm -hmm. um, but if if you're hungry, <laughs> chew gum. Um, if you're hungry, Stupid. chew on some ice. <laughs> like all of those things are things that are literally sold to people of like how to manage their weight when in actuality more people could manage their weight if they ate more and ate properly and used all of that energy that they're consuming to do the things they want to do anyway um but so i i like that there are more things out there that are kind of forcing people to check in because i feel like our society's kind of taught us not to check in with ourselves and just do what we're told um mm -hmm. Which, I mean, we could tangent that into everything from, like, our education system to... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, to, to, to backtrack on some of the things you said. Um, so, the, it was the craziest thing. Um, I was buying insurance last year. And, um, you know, I noticed how they had, like, my health insurance had... X amount of free chiropractic adjustments a year. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, yeah, because health insurance makes more money off of you, the healthier you are. And it just blew my mind because yeah, if I'm not going to the doctor and I'm not ringing up high doctor bills and they're not doing big payouts, they're just collecting hundreds of dollars a month from me for me being healthy. And I was like, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Diet pills workout fads those people that you see on youtube they don't make money by you getting your goals they make money off you needing to make your goals or the idea that your body needs to be changed so that they can get paid helping change it i am i do competitive bodybuilding competitive bodybuilding is toxic as fuck because you need to look good or you do you just spent 400 I mean it's $400 just to get a fucking spray tan <laughs> you know so it's either so so and on the thing because no if you don't feel good don't go to the gym you do competitive bodybuilding it don't matter how you feel you get your ass in the gym because your competition did it's not healthy at all I don't put my value in being stage ready every day I don't anymore. I used to. I accept myself for who I am. And that's called body positivity. <laughs> you know, that's the most beautiful fucking people. I don't give a shit if you weigh 300 pounds or you look like a, a Greek statue. Are you happy with the way that you look and you're happy with your life? Because beautiful people, I've known beautiful, gorgeous women, man, gorgeous women that just aren't happy with themselves. And to be completely honest, I just don't, they're, they're not pretty to me. They're not saying right. that they're not pretty. They're just not pretty to me. You know, I've seen you. You're glowing because you're happy with who you are. Now, are you walking around like, oh, I'm a bad bitch? You know, no, we Never. all have our own insecurities. <laughs> She's like, I am. We all have our own insecurities, but I, <laughs> 10 felonies in all and an addiction, I accept who I am and I know I'm gorgeous because of it. Now, we don't live in a society that's like that. We live in a society that for marketing you have to create a need for your product the easiest way to create a need 
for the body is to show up. Dude, I was watching an ad that was about, um, oh, it was for a, a red light for your hair growth. There's a chick in freaking booty shorts in front of a red light, not even on her head. You know, <laughs> some attractive skinny female with a fat ass in front of a red light. And that's how they're marketing their head stuff, you know? Why? Because if you're if you grow hair, you're gonna get this attractive girl in Spanx, you know? So, and I think it's the most disgusting thing how in our society we get spoon fed the wrong thing for profit. Mm -hmm. I think it is the most disgusting part of humankind that there can be. I don't care who you are, I don't care what you look like, you are the way that you're supposed to be now. If you're not happy with it, you find somebody that's willing to help you and go and change it. If you're satisfied with the way that you look, eat 300 pounds, boo-boo, eat that ice cream. Like, keep it going, you know? Um, I'm not satisfied with the way that I look, but it doesn't make myself down on myself. It puts me in the gym, you right. know? And that's that's the important thing. And um, I wish there was, I wish that was the, the, the 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 big mass message that people would get um and then the last thing i want to say because i'm so passionate about this because i'm also in the fitness industry um you know that's <clears throat> bachelors and masters going for it you know and stuff like that but um when i am looking and when people are looking in the mirror and you see something you don't like what standard are you basing that off of are you basing that off of the Instagram post where that person has taken two years of steroids? Well, of course you don't look like that. You don't do steroids. Are you take, is your standard based off of that Victoria's Secret model who eats rice and throws up three times a day? That's not practical for your life. You know, like I base my standard when I, 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 I think I put a picture up for um on the thing um for the for this the little introductory thing and that was one of the best I've looked in my life and that was pre-show so I know I can get back to that that's what I base my standard off of what I was in the past and what I know I can get to basing myself off of anything else is just not realistic I can either I'm either not going to get as big as somebody that's Ronnie Coleman who's done more steroids than anybody in the world probably or i could look better either way what's the point on trying to you know do that so that's yeah. my pedestal on that so to bounce off of that i would also like to say so like there are times when i i feel like yes i love my body and it depends on the time of day it depends on the time of month it depends on mm -hmm. the lighting it depends mm -hmm. on what i ate for breakfast that morning and like our bodies fluctuate and i think uh, i mm, brain come on um well I th okay so let's go with instagram right instagram i think we feel like has fucked up people's brains worse than magazines ever did because it's like i don't know if you know the statistics of how many people actually compete in bodybuilding but I feel like Instagram makes it seem like everybody who is a <laughs> bodybuilder yeah. is 
a fitness model is like, <laughs> so everybody sees this, like that is what fitness is. But most people who compete in bodybuilding, because there are some who I feel like in my experience are like the noobs who just haven't figured it out yet. Mm. Um, like most people in bodybuilding will be the first people to tell you, you are not supposed to be stage ready year round. No. Like, like it's, it's terrible for your body to be at that Unhealthy, low of a body yes. percentage. Yeah. And so like, and even people, so like actors who like have to have that super ripped physique for a couple of shots, like they take all of those shots on one day or two days and they literally starve themselves down and dehydrate themselves so that all of their muscles are showing and then they sell it like that's how you're supposed to look on a day-to-day basis mm -hmm. and that's just not true because even those people without the lighting without the spray tan without all of those things without the post editing that happens to all of those things in visual media without that that is not what humans look like on a day-to-day -day basis no. even even the most fit people in the world don't look like that on a regular day it does not mean that they're not fit it does not mean that they should hate themselves but also the side note that your body literally needs fat to survive like you need fat for your brain to function so like if you're going to choose abs or i should say visible abs because i always tell people everybody because this is what I hear, especially from women. They're like, I want abs. I'm like, you have abs. Literally, if you did it, you would not be standing up right now. Like, <laughs> you have abs, I promise. They just, you can't see them. Those are, that's the difference. But do you want visible abs or do you want proper brain function? Because like long-term, and I'm not saying everybody who has long-term visible abs doesn't have proper brain function. But like, if you drop to a low enough body fat percentage, especially as a woman, like, your hormones get all fucked up. <laughs> I've because... seen on stage, I've seen people that look so good fall out from complete dehydration and malnutrition on the stage, mid pose, pass the fuck out. It's yeah, it's not, it's not okay. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I like the sport of powerlifting because it encourages me to eat lots of stuff and lift heavy things. <laughs> Yo, and, and, and <clears throat> this is, I mean, respect to you, of course. Um, but powerlifting girls are sexy as fuck. Like, you know, like this, like, I mean, to me, there's nothing sexier than a woman that can lift more than me. Like what's <laughs> up, you know, but yeah, it's, um, it's, I, w when I, so when I get into, <clears throat> we were talking about owning a gym and stuff like that. Um, so I want to um, have my own gym that's like smart sports, but I want to cater to um, for anybody that doesn't know what smart sports is. It's a gym that is, well, it's a physical therapy center that has a gym um, and they let people work out in their gym because um, some physical therapy centers don't do that. Um, but, but so I want to have a place like that, but cater to bodybuilders, um, professional athletes, college athletes. I want to be professional, but I also want to have vocational rehab for people that get injured on the job because workman comp checks, they pay a lot. Um, but anyways, um, and so I have um, a, I haven't been on Instagram in a long time, um, but I have, so I don't know if they deleted my fitness profile, but I have a profile and 
I, people will use their platform to troll other people. You know, oh, this guy said to do this to work out. That's stupid. Do this, you know. Um, I'm all about body positivity. Um, I've, I've, any way that somebody has felt, you know, the people will look at me and think that I'm like this normal person, quote unquote normal person. I mean, man, I've, I've tried to kill myself. I've felt disgusting in my own skin. I've, you know, I've felt a lot of bad things, you know, but I want to, as a, somebody that has came from that, you know, the other day I had, was working out and I looked down, I would saw old cut scars on my leg, you know, I want to be able to tell people that you can come from that and be happy again, if you choose to be. Now, there's not always every day I can go outside and just say, I'm going to be happy today and I'm going to be happy. But it's the pursuit of happiness, not Will Smith's pursuit of happiness. But it's the <laughs> pursuit of happiness that takes a choice. Um, yeah. And you can be happy with your body. And that does not mean 30 pounds lighter, unless that's your standard, not anybody yeah. else's, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Anytime someone comes to me and says they need to lose weight, my first question is, why? Like, it, and it's usually more like, what makes you think that? Like, where is that coming from? Because if it's coming from inside, the next question is, whose voice inside of you? Because we all have voices, whether it's from media or from parents or from, like, an ex who didn't think that we were pretty enough or whatever. We all have other people's voices inside of our heads that sound a lot like our voice because we've heard it mm. so much and then we started repeating mm. it um so whenever someone they're when they're first the first thing out of their mouth is like they need to lose weight i always try to figure out where the root of that is and then go into the like is it weight you need to lose or is it fat you want to lose because those aren't the same thing two different things yes amen thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> and then um talking to them about like what it, like trying to actually find what it is they're looking for like are they actually looking to like feel better in their clothes okay we can we can do that are you looking to feel like you have more energy we can do that none of those things have a direct correlation to weight um and actually there's one of my clients his so I train, my, my, my focus is on athletes. Like I prepare people for competitions, whether it's powerlifting. I have a lot of, like, I'm not a runner. And the most people who have reached out to me have been like, Hey, can you help me with my running time? Like, and I'm like, yes, but also <laughs> like, and one of them's like an ultra marathoner. And I'm like, Oh my God. But one of my clients is his goal is to increase his pace he's trying to pass a pt test and he told me the other day he was just like i know this wasn't my goal and we've never worked on it but i've lost 27 pounds since working with you because a lot of times if you put weight loss on the not necessarily on the back burner but like if you focus on health and nutrition and moving your body like your body will find it's like set point 
where you're supposed to be. And sometimes, and there's that mental work, like for me, having to come to the realization that my set point is closer to 200 pounds than 150 pounds. And that's okay, because even though society told me that I was supposed to only weigh a buck 50 because I'm a girl, if I actually look at my ancestry, my heritage, like what I'm actually built of, me healthy is heavier than that. So, um, do you have anything to say, finish saying on that topic before we go into our game? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would, uh, the, the, just the, the last thing, um, and it's gonna be really quick is I tell people, my clients, if they say I need to lose weight or something like that, um, and they want to like work out and gain more muscle and strength like that. Basically anybody, somebody tells me they want to lose weight. I say, get rid of your scale, throw it away, put it in the closet or something. That is not an accurate representation of your journey. It's not. If you're working out, if you're lifting heavy weights, your fat, I mean, muscle weighs more than fat. So you can lose some fat, but gain some muscle and that scale is not going to represent it. That is the number one cause of people stopping their fitness journey that I have noticed is them paying attention to the scale. I'm like, dude, do you feel better? Then it's working. Like, can you breathe better? Did you lift more than you did last week? I trust, I trust and believe. Oh, wait, your pants don't fit in a good way. They're too big. Like, yeah. that's what's important, not the scale. But once again, society's like oh you need to weigh this much it's yeah that's all yeah. i got on that yeah just a quick tangent on that people come in different shapes and sizes so that everybody mm. knows we are not all supposed to be <laughs> the same <laughs> <laughs> for real <laughs> okay so moving into our little random questions, you get to answer first because you're the guest. So the first one, name two places that make you very happy when you're there. Oh, man. Um, so, so the first place is um, kind of super generic, I guess, but um, that is my mother's presence. Um, I'm, a, I'm a mama's boy, super bad. So you know, even though she gets on my nerves sometimes, um, that's my number one place. Um, the second would, which I'm sad I haven't been to in a while, would be the mountains, the Tetons specifically. I oh. think that's like, that's my spirit animal, the Tetons. Uh. <laughs> Do you know what Tetons is? <laughs> Nuh-uh. <laughs> um, it means titties in French. Oh, really? Like, French came over and they they were like um when Lewis and Clark's Lewis and Clark Clark oh, my brain can work saw them they named them the Tetons because they look like two boobies <laughs> you know that's probably why I feel so close to them yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so I would say two places that make me very happy when I'm there um I'm going to say at the the top of a completed squat rep, especially like heavy. Um, I feel like that's where I'm the most me because squat is my strongest lift. It's where I'm, even when I'm 
unconfident in my squat. I'm still pretty confident in my squat. So um, the top of a completed rep is probably one of my happiest places. Um, and then I'm also not necessarily mountains, but just nature. Um, just like being outside, which I also have not done enough of. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I plan on eventually just like faking my death and wandering into the woods. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Second, it's not even a question. If you were a leader, name one thing you would change in society to improve the lives of many people. Um, if I was a leader, what would I do to improve? I would try to change equality standards. Um, for just for a very small example, and you know, it's, it's stupid to hate a place. I hate the state of Wyoming. Um, you know, we call ourselves the equality state. Um, and we've got some really bad equality problems, um, you know, and especially in this country and stuff like that, um, how, and I'm, I'm really don't want to go too far onto this, but I'm going to just touch on a little bit, especially in this country, how, um, veterans are not getting taken care of anymore. Um, how me as a felon, I get the ass end of everything in this country, even though, you know, it's, it's, everybody makes mistakes. People just didn't get caught for theirs. Um, right. but, and then just, I mean, just another thing, just like with Native Americans, how they used, this was literally their country and now they own like Oklahoma, you know, a part of it, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, we can't move, we can't forward as a people if we're leaving people behind. I agree completely. Um, as a leader, I would say, and I feel like this goes back to something you said, like really early on in like your introduction. Um, I would force people to learn how to communicate with one another. And um, like early on, you were talking about in some respects, how like things just don't, I can't think of words right now. Um, like we don't, we don't know how to talk about mm. things. We always want, we just want the happy and we don't want all of, the lifey things that come with mm -hmm. being living organisms um who have a consciousness and i think a big part of that is that we don't know how to have hard conversations you said you like to debate i'm the same way um and i th think a big part of it is that we have taught generations of people that we don't talk about what what might offend somebody because they're hard conversations. And I think if everybody learned how to have hard conversations, we would be able to make a lot more progress because if you don't, like if you, going back to like managing anywhere, right? If no, if nobody tells me that there's a problem, I can't fix it. So we have an equality problem. And there are a handful of people who are like, well, don't talk about it because like, that's the nasty bad side of history and modern day that 
like makes us uncomfortable to say that we're Americans and we're letting all of this stuff happen. Then we have another side that is like, we're going to keep talking about it because if we don't talk about it, it's never going to change. So for me, it would be teaching people, teaching and expecting people to have hard conversations because I think that would make the world in general a better place. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last one. 10 years from now, what could you regret not doing more or less of in life? So that's funny. Um, I almost don't know how to answer this question because I am a person that truly does not live with regret. I feel like regret is for dead people um, because if I'm alive, I still got time to do it. Um, you know, there's, you're never too old to do anything. There's old people running four K's and shit. Like, you know, it's crazy. Um, what you can do when you put your mind to it. Um, if in 10 years, um, I was still doing drugs in a very destructive way, I would definitely regret not giving recovery a better chance. Um, you know, um, besides that, I mean, um, everything else is, it's just so obtainable. Um, now, because <clears throat> I am on probation, if I end up in prison and I am in prison in 10 years, you know, I'll, I'll regret a whole bunch of shit, actually. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's <good. laughs> um, I think I'm going to stick with something that has been kind of my goal recently, taking on a new job. It was, it was a lot easier for me to be in recovery and to give myself the self-care that I needed when I had all day to do it. Um, and taking on a, a new full-time job has made me have to kind of put the puzzle pieces together a little bit more. So I s still have this, going back to our conversation, like this habit, this neural pathway that says, like, put your stuff on the back burner and serve everybody else. and um my my goal is to not have the regret that I continued to do that um so it's a a daily choice for me to say like here, here's something I'm proud of I had to miss a little bit of my workout on Monday because staffing issues and whatever and then on Thursday I was supposed to be at a meeting at 5 30 and my brain went well, we can just skip out on part of our workout and make it to the meeting on time. And I was like, no, this is my time. I'm volunteering my time for this meeting to plan this event. And if I'm 10 minutes late, that is okay because I have to pour into my cup first before I can pour into somebody else's. And I like put my foot down. So that would be, um, that's the thing I'm working on. So that's what I'm, well, I'll say what I'm hoping not to regret in 10 years. I'm hoping in 10 years, I've formed that neural pathway that says, you know, you, you deserve to make sure that you are solid before you try to give away your pieces to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Putting yourself first. And just to touch on that, because that's another good point that everybody should take away is it's not always selfish and self-centered to put yourself first because if you're not okay how can you help anybody else be okay 
and like for right now with me going to like school and stuff like that you know um people will the response I'll have to people when I tell them sometimes not the best, you know, because honesty without compassion is refuse. So sometimes I'm honest without compassion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I've put people before me for such a long time um, and it's my time to get where I need to go. I've got to pour into myself or what can I give you? If I'm empty, what can I possibly give you? And when it comes down to it, are you gonna do my schoolwork? Are you gonna pay my bills? Are you going to pay my mental health bills when I'm having breakdowns because I put everything into you and not myself? If the answer is no to all those, I should probably take uh, you know, I agree. Yeah. Okay, my very last question for you. Um, what is the one thing the world needs to know? Uh, the one thing that the world always that the world needs to know is that it always gets better if you want it to. I like that. It's full of hope. I like hope. Yeah. Well, Wes, thank you very much for joining me on the Common Humanity podcast and having a real human conversation with me. It has been a pleasure 